song with you guys. And so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this on screen share. And if you would just kind of you just let the message in or let the mood take you over. I've been listening to this song a bunch lately. I think it's the national anthem of the Nano Nation of Possibilica. And so I'll play it for you. Clinton, we don't hear the sound. Maybe you share the URL and we all hear it, do it at the same time in our YouTube. You probably just didn't put the, um, the sound share on. Oh. When you share a click, there's a, on the corner there, we share a screen to share sound as well. Are you hearing any of this, Clinton? We're doing a technical improvement. Somebody said that you can uh, share your sound. Oh, share sound. Okay. We're starting again. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. Abigail and this is Sean and we're so glad that you've turned this on and welcomed us into your home and you are welcome into our home we're in Dayton Ohio My parents <laughs> Sean's parents' house. We were in Louisville when the shit hit, and we packed our three-year-old into a car. We drove kind of far. We drove here, and we've been so lucky and blessed to be safely here. And we thought we'd be here for like ten days, tops. What did we know? What did we know? 
What did, what did we, we know? Want? We thought we knew a lot. We this thought we knew going, a lot. like a lot of it and I hope that you find a hand lotion that actually makes your skin feel better and I hope that you have enough to eat I hope you're getting enough sleep and I hope you have enough good company or enough good memory to last you a long Keep 
going on song. This is a keep going, keep going, keep going on. Keep going on song. This is a keep going, keep going on. Keep going on song. This is a keep going, keep going, keep going on. Keep going on song. This is a keep going, keep going. Ooh. Uh, I can't talk right now. Somebody else say something. I feel joy that you finally found that song. I posted it in our group on November 9th. <laughs> and, and, it's, and, and nobody noticed it <laughs> or commented or anything. And I love that it found its way back. <clears throat> Thank you. Hmm. I want you to know, Shannon, that, that it was not unnoticed. It might have been uncommented on, but I have been listening to that and watching that and to see it here and to have Clinton bring it here today. And I, I'm pretty sure he also posted it somewhere else on a website because I, I kept seeing it. And, um, and I haven't listened to it or watched it for a few days for maybe maybe a few weeks and to see it here today after last week and to just hear her simple wishes for just you know good sleep and good and enough food and enough something and when she talked about pollen I've been thinking all this time that the yellow stuff is sunshine and it's pollen I mean it's probably both and I just you know, like what happened last week with there's there being like this kind of like, like separating kind of drama triangle thing happening. And then just to have that, like, like, can't, like to just want those simple, sweet things for each other that, that really are the world changing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Clinton, I have a question about the, this is Mia. I have a, a map of the, uh, I have a question about this map of soft learning, learning soft skills. The unconscious incompetence, number one, and number four, the unconscious competence. If they're both unconscious, how do I know if I'm incompetent or if I'm competent? And I get really stuck between those two because I have so much self-doubt that I feel like I'm always in unconscious incompetence. So it's like, how do I know? I, is, it, is it the results I'm getting? Keep going, keep going, keep going on song. <laughs> Really, that's, that's the thing. It's just in my opinion, you know, we have, some of us have this I'm okay box and some of us have the I'm not okay box. And it turns out that it's much more difficult for people who have an I'm okay box 
to evolve because they're so okay. We are, those people are so okay that we refuse to enter liquid states or to admit that we don't have it all together or to look bad, you know, to, to have ourselves look bad is contradictory to the I'm okay show. And so, uh, and so it's easier for people who are accustomed to being shit, you know, I'm a waste of time, I'm useless, I'm a horrible person. It's easier for that person to just drop into liquid states and, and, and evolve and just keep moving. But you know, the unconscious competence is not a great place to hang out. So it's uh, just skip that one kind of, because usually that is grabbed by ego or superiority complexes from your gremlin or whatever. Just look around and ask, you know, try the next difficult thing, the next impossible thing, commit to the next transformation take on a new practice, ask for feedback and coaching, you know, dive, dive off the edge again, just as soon as you get some kind of competence in a thing, don't, don't hide out there. That's my, so yeah, keep going on. Thank you. There's, a few people I haven't seen here either at all or much before, like Brienne, welcome. And there's some other, couple other people I haven't seen for a while. So I just wanna welcome all the new people. David, you've been here before, but I just wanna say hello and so like that. So, and Gloria, hello, Gloria. <laughs> yeah, cool, welcome. Birgit, Birgit is here. Okay. Um, anything from anybody else from last week, during the week? Anything else? I was trying to um, understand what Nicole was referring to about all the stuff from last week. Like, I, I'm not sure. I'm just forgetting something or what happened? <laughs> I have a similar box. My box basically forgets bad stuff. So, you know, if you have a box like that, you should just glory in it. Just like let the, let the poop slide down the river, stay in the present, notice the good things, have a great time, invent cool stuff try new experiments. Now, the past, God, what can you do about that? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was Naomi? sitting on a, I was sitting on a bench having a coffee in a cup that I brought myself. <laughs> and then just really spontaneously, it occurred to me that I could do a Facebook Live about feelings. And then I did it. <laughs> and um, I'd never done a Facebook Live before. And it was so much fun that I 
just did it. I couldn't believe it. And there was like 300 people that watched it. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure not. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure not all of them watched it until the end because it was like 18 minutes. And I learned so much from doing it because when I watched myself back, I saw how I sometimes say something that's pretty clear and then make some stupid joke that kind of undermines it. And, and then some conversations happened of people writing to me that it was very interesting and inspiring and that they were having a bad day and that they had a new perspective about feelings now. So I feel encouraged to keep going. Yay. <laughs> I'd like to speak to you all about Naomi and something great that's about to happen. So many months ago, I talked to you all about our sons and how valuable. I wish there were spaces for our teenage boys. And um, so Naomi came and stayed with me for three weeks last year because of this group, because I met her here. I'm so grateful for her. And then a couple weeks ago, as I'm hearing about teenage suicides and our kids are struggling and it occurred to me like, why don't I ship my kids somewhere? Send them somewhere like during spring break. And I messaged Naomi, I'm like, Naomi, can I send my son to be with you? And she said, yes. Yeah. And she's gonna be in Cancun at circus school. <laughs> so, <laughs> My kid, my 14 year old who like really loved Naomi, like my kids like loved her. He gets to, I got a plane ticket. I paid a little extra money for like the minors, like flying or whatever, it wasn't terrible. And he'll be there for 10 days. And I told him, I'm like, if you don't want to come back, you don't have to come back. Like you could just do school there if you want to. It's all Zoom anyway, or like whatever, like, or maybe you meet amazing people. And this summer, you're like, mom, this summer, can I go somewhere else? And I'm going to be like, yes, like, just go, like, do whatever. <laughs> like, just know the world and know that there's so many possibilities out there. And staying at home for a whole year because of the damn COVID isn't life. This isn't, this isn't it. So I'm just so grateful for Naomi and for this group, this possibility that came from this group. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we know some people there too. Is Jeff is there and Ralph and Marina are there around that area. So cool. And well, he'll be they'll be in Puerto Morelos. That's where Michelle is, which I don't yeah. think I've met Michelle yet. So <laughs> expect to meet my son. He's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Janet. And Naomi. I got to interview Naomi last week, uh, almost an hour about disillusionment. And it was such a powerful, she has some such a powerful set of life experiences about the, the value and the procedure for disillusionment. And so I'm, I, Right now, the notes on the disillusionment website are really raw. It was basically, I just wrote down, it's typed as fast as I could what she was saying. So I have not cleaned it up at all. 
but if you feel like seeing raw notes about disillusionment, they're right there right now on the, on the disillusionment website. But I just wanted to thank you, Naomi, for that chance. It was great. Anybody else have any, yeah, anything to I, share, something to share? I would like to share that I did my first lab in Florida at Merritt Island, and I wasn't on the call last week. And I'm seeing people that were there, and there was such joy in pouring water into cups and moving chairs and cooking with constraints and missing ingredients. And there's Gloria and she and I shared this beautiful breakfast and discovered the joy of consciously eating a raisin. <laughs> and she said something really beautiful about how the the water, the water is what creates expansion. And so it was, it was so beautiful. Um, we were in our yellow brains having breakfast together. And being her on the call brings me joy. Thank you. I want to speak my part in the cosmic bullshit and share that something is shifting for me in my relationship to fear where I've realized that I've been victimized by my fear for a long time now and almost the old map of feelings I realize it's like oh the old map of feelings is being victimized by your feelings and that's been quite a big shift and feeling into fear as like this sensitivity and aliveness and that it can feel like amazingly life-giving to be connected to fear. Thank you. I'd like to share uh, off of what Shannon just shared. I was also at the lab in Miami and had the experience I want to share about is a shift in orientation for me that came through some feedback and also through the privilege of playing space manager for the weekend, but a shift from really focusing on my own healing and and readying myself, that's what comes up, readying myself to be able to be accepted into the village or something like that. From that to uh, this orientation of what, what can I give and the pleasure of, of seeing people and going to them and saying, here's how I see you, uh, or, or 
it just felt like my heart, some part of my heart that has been closed off in this process of evolution got to open up in a new way where I was no longer so concerned with being accepted into the village. And it's so much more, what can I pack in here? Or what, what, what little pieces can I see that, that moving, moving this chair this way would change the space in a way that no one would notice, but everyone would notice in a way that would totally change. And, um, and it's continuing after the lab. I've had experiences with lab where everything kind of stops. Once lab is over, I still feel all messed up and, and, and lab's over and blah. And this feels like um, not skidding into my grave just yet, but really skidding back into my life with, with lab continuing after the lab, transformation continuing and this, this orientation of how can I keep going? How can I keep giving? How can I keep um, offering myself? Opened up in the, yeah. So that's what's present for me coming in today. And I'm so glad to be back here. Thank you. I want to share um, my own journey this week that has to do, I mean, actually funny with this uh, rapid learning, that, no, what is it? This, learning spiral about this incompetence and the layers of going through and about this, this the distinction of being a space holder and uh, somehow maybe having a sense before that being a space holder was to or, or experiencing that experience in terms of holding a space like holding a space for a healing, holding a space for transformation, holding a space for a relationship. Holding, uh, but there was sort of a, a space and and we're in the Rage Cup space holder training, the, the challenge for this week is to send out a video about what are you so angry about that um, you're ready to be a space holder? Like you're so pissed off that that you're gonna put yourself at the edge. And I, and I realized watching every, a lot of people's video today about, okay, somebody can hold space for a beach. Somebody can hold space for one tree. Like today from one, one participant's experiment, he said, look outside and pick one uh, nature element and then connect with it. And I realized just by me connecting with it, I was holding space for it. And, or, I, don't, I'm, I feel like I can't really explain it in word, but how, more subtle this what it means to put ourselves in a place of space holder and it doesn't mean to do anything but it is a complete change of of attitude and relationship to the world kind of like i mean what i've heard Devin, you say from in a way a victim place to a source person place even without doing anything and and so i i have this anyway it's one of my it's one of my key happening this week about what are the, the smallest little things, the smallest little thing that we can hold space for. And that is completely magical, completely transformational in, in like an instant to change our relationship to, yeah, to what is happening around us.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I want to roll off or on from what Unchloe said and, and share a little bit of what I've been noticing probably for the past three weeks more intentionally and it has to do with also space holding. Mm, I, I noticed how in, in, I've been still kind of protecting myself from being, um, being in intimacy, even in the spaces that I hold online. I've been noticing how uh, I can still kind of dodge um, being dodge or try to dodge uh, some sort of like liquid state or some sort of uh, heartbreak. Um, and being with Sofia Magdalena in Mexico and then with Michelle and then being in the lab with different trainers and, and getting this also the, the, the different lineages from, from, from different trainers, bringing a different kind of clarity into my life. I know I'm, I'm I noticed that I've been missing when in my practice was so sometimes we do this heart to heart connection. So space holder would say or I would say or someone else in the space would say, okay, you know, put your box on the side and make a heart to heart connection, a being to being connection. Or, and I noticed how I would often do uh, from my being to the other person's being. But what I've been not doing so intentionally is let the being of the other person reach me, be touched, like allowing myself to be touched by the other person's being. And, and when you said this, and Chloe, about, you know, connect to a plant, this is actually how I started to unfold this in my connection with the plants and nature and letting myself be moved about the presence of the plants, I was allowing the plants to touch me. And now I'm passing a little bit onto letting you touch me, you all in the call or letting the people in, in the spaces around me touch me. And it has totally changed the way that I hold space and that I give feedback or receive feedback. And I'm very grateful for this experience and transformation that so many people have seen and gave me feedback on. So this is what's been alive and transforming with so many of you in this call. Yeah, thank you. I want to share that I'm in, because it fits, I'm in space holder fear right now because I will start another session of Rage Club in half an hour because Germany has requested having a rage club in well this time and so I said yes and my fear just starts rising for it to start and I'm, I'm glad to be here to pump up my space holding for the rage club <laughs> thank you yeah Sophia Magdalena maybe you could try this same thing Vera's trying is there's a lot of possibilities and attention and love coming from people right here. And if you can let that in and then let it relax and support you into what you're about to do, you could try that. Thank you. 
I have noticed two weeks ago that I have a very, very thick wall between me and basically everyone else. And I I don't really understand how to get through it. I had a I had a some sort of process today and I went through the wall two times and like at the smallest hitch of or the smallest hinge of something, some irregularity where the space is not safe, I would just I could feel my being just turn around and go into the safety again. And yeah, inside my wall, I'm very angry and sad and scared to go out there. And I will come back with, I know that once I, once I know how to get out there, I, I, I know how to what connection is. Yeah, I will. I don't know where I'm where I'm sharing this because this is I'm very I'm very isolated. I'm very isolated. And it's a very thick wall. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing, Gabrielle. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking, even from the inside of the wall, that you can invite us to be there with you. Yeah, it's very safe in here. For me, it's very safe to be, and, and I can be centered inside my wall. I it's I don't know how to be centered outside this wall. I don't even know what life is outside this wall. This very weird thing that people are doing when they have joy and they play together and collaborate together. It's it's something that I I don't see. Or I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get there. Uh, would, would you like to start by speaking uh, by the phone with me? Like tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Please write your phone number. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Gabriel, will you also have a call with Shannon? here and just talk about how you guys put this wall technology together. I mean, really, if you could take some notes about wall technology, I'd be really grateful to get to have those. If you guys, if you two guys could just what it's all about, you know, what it's about, the whole thing about it, that'd be great. Thank you. I, I have an impulse of if Phyllis wants to be in that call. I think she has some hints about wall building. Yes, I would like to. 
And, right. and I actually was going to speak next because I have noticed that in the last several months, I've been letting go of, of my life here in, in a way that is, it's, it's big for me just to let go of my social life here. And I, I noticed that I'm really enjoying just being alone at home and being on all these Zoom calls. And the reason is because I have such much deeper conversations and uh, much more life-changing conversations on this call. And I think what I really want to say is there are several women in this call in particular who I just feel so grateful to for the support that I've been receiving and, um, and the encouragement encouragement and Chloe that you've given me to reach out for help. You've nudged me this whole last year <laughs> and to keep moving forward. And I really appreciate that. And you too, Vera, um, just, and, and now I've asked for a team. I'm start, I've start, asked for and started a team of women to support me in um, moving forward for uh, to step into my archetypal lineage and 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 in addition to that, I just invited Vera to come to my home for a week, a full week, to do life altering activities together. So, so I'm in some fear right now, and 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 I've been in this rage space group and also the fear group in the last couple of months, and so. Whew. Oh, and and not to mention Kay, I mean, and to mention Kay, who is this goddess of female uh, feminism, you know, who just, we have this incredible group where we just speak about issues that are related to women and the patriarchy and sexuality and and sexuality and relationship and um, and it's 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 a piece of myself that is missing. You know, I'm more of a tomboy type, <laughs> and Kay kind of brings that, that feminine aspect in, and I really am appreciating that too. So, and Shannon and Ingrid and <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Phyllis. I'd like to announce a project that Anne Chloe and I concocted and are sourcing with a few other trainer or possibility coaches, which is we've set up a, a website, a platform for making possibility, make possibility. And it's one of the seven core skills of a possibilitator is how to make possibility. And there's a particular form of possibility making that happens in uh, these one-on-one -on -one or, you know, couple coaching sessions that are happening over the Zoom call. 
And it's so, it's such a, an intimate portrait with these in the face video things that we've gotten accustomed to, to doing. And, and it's such a, a precious situation that where you get to see not only the client, but also the coach during that, that we've, we've set up a project to record sessions of, of these kinds of possibility making sessions, chair work sessions, and so that other people in the world can get a, a taste or get a feel for the true, truly miraculous kind of ongoingly unstoppable source of possibility that just is so abundant in this context and this work. And so uh, we, I didn't negotiate with Anne Chloe yet about exactly how we book these things. Do you want, do you want to say something, Anne Chloe, about that? Yeah, the offer is, and, and we wanted to bring the offer first, sort of firstly to the study group because of the journey that we've been together and many people have been into Rage Club and Fear Club and also now starting to deliver them because we, we, we would want the, some of the processes to be, I don't like saying, using that word, but like more advanced with people who can already easily fall into their feeling and not just this learning how to feel. Uh, because there's more layers that happen when when we can just feel, and and so the 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 offer is that Clinton and I and Vera and Patrizio Diaz that a lot of you know and Susanne Hutzler, we are this team of five people who would offer free coaching like a full formal uh, coaching of an hour an hour and a half for free in exchange of your permission to. Uh, record it and then it would be posted on this website called create possibility so yeah please please talk to the person that you want to have a coaching to basically yeah thank you great great anything else before we dive into new results come from new actions yeah I'd like to share that I'm astonished today how I can hold that field. Normally it was always boss. Many times too much, the whole feelings and fear, feel everything what was in here. And today I just enjoyed your messages, your things, what you said, it landed in me and to observe where it landed and and it feels like breaking that wall was what Gabriel mentioned, that wall of isolation and of being or having to be in my own space to, to, to hold all the feelings. And, and right now it feels like, like joy to, to, to receive your messages, to be in contact with you. And it, it is that shift or what you mentioned that is like a new life. It is so, I'm experiencing like that now. And it's so incredibly strong and lively and valued to, to go there. And the same day I decided not to go with Anna to do that year project called uh, Amanda. And I already knew, okay, they would do a lab here. and. 
and yes, I would be in and would go with that. And, and there's the trainer path I was looking for to, to that it can discover and not be already planned in my head. And I normally wanted to enter me in a program but already felt so much. And then I, I, I quit that and I felt myself. And I'm so glad that I felt myself that would be much too much and just go what is there and yeah I have a lot more to share but I, that's it thank you thank you Doris I just wanted to say hello uh, this is my first time in this space uh, I have uh, participated in a couple of uh, rage club I'm actually in the rage club right now in the rage club holder and this is the first time I'm here so uh, there's some fear here today because I'm new and I'm usually in spaces where I'm the facilitator and I'm all new to this. So there's some fear and uncomfortability, but I didn't want to hide behind this fear. So I forward to say hello and I'm looking forward to what this space has to offer. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for saying Thank that. you, David. Hi, David. Hello. Hi, David. Welcome. Thank you, Dor. Uh, be be before you go, we go on. I I'd like to I'd like to ask Shannon what's going on, and I and you are muted. Thank you, Amber. Um, I came home from the lab and there was this joy and this groundedness and intentionality and I got so sick. I had a sore throat and this cough that didn't let me sleep and I'm, and, and so I've, I've had this and my body is physically exhausted. It's just exhausted from being sick. And I was surprised because I haven't been sick. I don't know the last time that I had cold-like symptoms. And, um, and there was something that Gabrielle said about the wall. <laughs> I felt like it just, it just melted something in me. I really miss, I really missed being in that community that we had over those five days. And it's hard, it's hard not having somebody else in the kitchen. Mm -hmm and not having somebody to offer a chair to. <laughs> and that's what's going on. And, and during the lab, somebody said, I miss so-and-so, I miss so-and-so. And, -so. and <laughs> 
I miss. <sighs> there are relationships that I miss that are no longer here. And I, I don't have those in-person relationships and I really, I really long for them and I miss them. And I loved Thank every you. moment that I got to share with all my new brothers and sisters yeah. in that space. And it's still with me. And, and I long for the physicality of it. And thank you, Amba. Thank you, Shannon. Hmm. New results come from new actions. I'm gonna keep reading here. We're on page 124, section 6E. Light reflected from the ink patterns on this paper enters your eyes. You've trained your mind to take nerve impulses from your eyes and recognize the 26 familiar letter shapes of the English alphabet. Your mind further assembles patterns of letters into individual words. And then your mind does this amazing thing. It takes groups of words and molds them in together into ideas. The jump from bunches of words to meaningful concepts is nothing less than miraculous. And you're doing that right now, and except that right now this is coming through your ear instead of your eyes. It's just for me coming in my eyes unless you're reading along. This thing is really a miraculous mechanism that human beings, we can do this. We figured out how to do this. I bring your attention to the phenomenon of your mind making concepts out of ink marks on paper because as remarkable as it is, I am interested in more than that from you. I'm interested in you taking these ink marks and creating new behavior patterns in your life. So not just understanding the concepts from the ink marks, from the words, not just understanding them, but taking this other step of creating new behavior patterns in your life. I want you to actually be able to enter the experiential territory of extraordinary human relationship. Having new electrical patterns in your brain from new thinking patterns may be a necessary first step, but I want real results. New results only come from you taking new actions. Did you ever think that you could create new results from taking the same actions? Anybody ever think that? Did you ever think that? It's so amazing, isn't it? 
I remember doing that for years before anybody even asked me that question. It's like, do you really think it's possible to get new results with continuing your same actions? And I go, yeah. I mean, I can conceive of it. I can imagine it. You know, it must be possible then. <clears throat> the guy who told me this was rolling on the floor. He goes, you idiot. I thought you wanted to study magic. You know, you're studying, the, you're studying illusions or fantasy worlds, not magic, because magic stuff really happens. Well, it was a wake-up call for me. <clears throat> so most of us have, have thought that before. You know, we never had a class in school much about the thoughtware that we use. So we didn't examine, we did not examine the, the thought that we have, that we could think we could get new results with, by continuing the same actions. Such thinking is a kind of insanity. So try to admit that. Try to admit it that when you were thinking that, you were insane. It was a completely crazy thing to think. That something would be different if you keep doing everything the same. What some fairy godmother is going to come along and go bing and things will change for you or I don't know the laws of physics stop working the same way or I don't know something. What were you thinking it's insane it's really insane and I'm not saying it's bad or wrong or stupid it's just fucking crazy that's all just really insane so we have this capacity for insanity without even knowing it. <clears throat> new results cannot come from taking the same actions. New results only come from taking new actions. The question is precisely this, how do you get new concepts in your mind to produce new actions in your body, your physical body or your energetic body or your emotional body? How do you get new concepts in your mind to show up as new actions in one of your other bodies? The answer is some kind of a leap, a new connection has to be made. The actions you take now come easily for you. Most of your daily actions are produced by reflexive habit patterns. Reflexive means it's like a reflex. It's like if you hit your knee and your leg jerks, it's a, that's what we mean by reflex. So most of your daily actions are produced by reflex, by habit. They are unconscious. New actions require conscious decisions. Your willpower must be involved. Your conscious motivational volition. And I just want to throw in, willpower is not enough. Willpower, I'm sure you know this, that you, you commit, you, you decide, you think, you, you, you really have this willpower, you know, and in a couple hours later, you're doing the opposite of what you thought, or you're not doing the thing that you had so much willpower for. So it isn't, it isn't enough. The willpower is not enough. So what do you really want? Do you want to keep experiencing what you have always been experiencing in relationship? Yes or no? 
answer now. That's what the book says, says answer now. So I'm not sure how you're gonna answer. So if you, if you wanna keep, if you wanna keep exactly the same thing you've had so far in relationship, you put your thumb up. And if you wanna try something new, put your thumb down. Here we go, one, two, three. I should do a screenshot of this or something like that. <laughs> okay, all right then, okay. You're at the right place then. We're in the right, you're looking at the right flat screen. Okay. Right. If your answer is no, you don't want to keep experiencing what you've been experiencing, then you are going to have to, and you will have to enter the unusual. We are going to go into the unusual. You're going to have to break out of your own pig pen. You've been living in your own pig pen. You're going to have to get out of there. You're going to have to try some unfamiliar and perhaps at first uncomfortable things. For starters, try something new right now. So actually what the book says is raise your right hand and say out loud, no matter where you are, no matter who else is there, I am willing to take new actions. Go ahead. I am willing to take new actions. 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 I'm willing to take new actions. I'm willing to take new actions. Take new actions. Yeah. The revolution has begun. All right. Okay. Now, between now, like once a day for the next seven days, do this somewhere. Do that for no reason. Standing in line at the post office, you know, you're, you're waiting to cross the sidewalk. People are, are you're out there. You're standing, you're, you know, whatever, wherever you are, you're on a phone call in the middle of a phone call with somebody. You just put up your hand and say, I'm willing to take new actions like that. And then, then take some new action. So right now, I'm, what I'm gonna ask you to do right now is in the next 30 seconds, do an action that you don't remember ever having done before in your life. Okay, you got 30 seconds, go. All right, that was it. You're a different person now. I have the capacity to do that thing that you just did because you just proved it. You just proved that you could do this thing, whatever it was you did. I saw some people doing some pretty weird things. I, does anybody have any comments about that? I mean, why didn't you ever do that thing before? I mean, 
what was blocking you from doing this thing? Anybody have any comments? Just really stuck. Yeah, I need to do this more. <laughs> the invitation as well to say, do it now, 30 seconds, just really helped to just come up with something. Okay. I made an agreement with my gremlin that um, my gremlin would let me know. And my gremlin was like, yeah, that's something that I kind of want to do. And so I just wanted to check in. So this is something your gremlin wanted to do. Well, I, I just had to acknowledge that was present. I'm like, you know, okay. licking something was felt very gremlinly. And I'm like, all right, we're in this together. So we'll try something different. <laughs> All right, so in addition to sticking your hand up and say, I'm willing to try new behavior, then, then follow it up with something. Follow it up with some new behavior. No, I, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you, you hand the, your wallet to the cashier lady and say, please take the money out yourself. Or you stand on one leg and, 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 and sing a A flat. Ah, like wherever you just try try some new stuff. This this is going to keep getting. Uh, this will be your bread and butter from now on for the rest of this book. So I figured by the time this book is finished, I'll have finished the next book. Finished reading this book, I'll have finished writing the next book. So we're just going to keep so this, this study group is going to go on for a really long time. So. So you, this is going to be bread and butter for you, this kind of new behavior experiments. Once a day, once, in a, you know, just keep finding out the things that you haven't done before. Just find them out and go ahead and do them. They don't have to be longer than 30 seconds, even maybe 10 seconds. All right. And the point, like the thing, what it says, What, what the books, what this book says, is if you don't do it in this instant, you will never do it. And this is what Vera was saying. It was like, okay, we had a 30 second time limit. Go now. These 30 seconds are reserved for this bizarre behavior, this unpredicted, unforeseen, unimaginable behavior experience that you just did that opened up the whole new spaces that if you don't, if you don't do it right now, you probably won't, won't do it. And so and you can I, do this can, for yourself. Can I say something? I just had this revelation about in so many movie scenes, there's this like dual space moment and somebody's supposed to do something. And the other person says, you didn't do it now. You will never do it. I can turn my back on you. You will never shoot. And I never got it because if somebody said that to me, I would just like shoot. <laughs> I would just like go for it out of, yeah, my grumman would be hooked. But I get it. It's like this space. When this space is gone, it's it's over. If you don't do it now, you won't do it. So, I'm I'm glad about this. Hey, I wanted the suggestion that like we each decide on an hour to do it because if we make it twice to choose once a day, there's more probability that we won't do it. We decide every day at that hour that I'm I'm raising my right hand and then taking an action. There's a higher probability that we'll do it. Thank you. And, and Chloe, this thing you mentioned about space, 
is what I what I mentioned was the action opened a new space, and but it's the other way around also. If the space is gone, the action can't happen either. So it's it's either the space creates the action or the action creates the space. In both cases, you've got a tool for for opening new space, and this this is hugely powerful. This is one of the magical elements. This is the and so if you if you're blocked if your framework if your box pr prohibits new behavior then it also prohibits magic and it also prohibits doing go entering the unusual which means you won't be able to do new behaviors because it's unusual so if your box is if your safety if your psychological security is dependent upon only doing things that you know are safe, that you've done before, then new behavior becomes impossible. And, and so the exercise is, is to start cracking, sticking little, making little cracks in that prison that you're in. And, and they don't, these do not have to be, you know, just stick your tongue out and roll it around, you know, or, or um, a, a, take, take a tissue and put your finger through it right in front of people, you know, just, you know, grab a tissue and just stick your finger through it like this, you know, and I mean, there's just so many weird things you can do that you can just never did before and you can just proceed from there. So if you, if you, if you make it a habit kind of ongoingly being able to do that without, without too much embarrassment, too much uh, fear, too much you know, so that it stops you. If you start doing that, if you're making it part of your life, we will get along a lot better in the next few months while we're exploring the extraordinary territory of the book. Okay, you get that? If you don't, if you stop, if you don't make this part of your everyday life doing really weird shit, we're going to just be stuck. We're going to have struggles, you and me. We're going to struggle about this because I'm going to be promoting bizarre behaviors and new new experiments and your your whole psychological defense strategy is going to be you know try to defend yourself or block yourself from it so okay just i'm trying to renegotiate how it's going to go here so the book the book goes like this come on who really has control over your ability to decide about what to do what you're going to do who really has control over your voice? Who really has control over the part in you who chooses what you do? Is it you? Or is it the rules that were hammered into you by your parents, by society about what's normal, or other authority figures, advertising and stuff like that? Who has authority over your actions right in this minute? If you think that you have the authority, well, then prove it. Prove it to me. God, who wrote this? Prove it to yourself. Raise your hand and say, oh, you did this already. I'm willing to take new actions. Come on. Okay, I just did it myself. So while I was writing the book, I don't know where I was. Okay, I just did it myself. I'm sitting in front of my old Dell Inspiron 4000 laptop computer at 6.08 p.m. on Sunday night in December in the, the Callahan Academy office in Gistelstrasse in Pulach, Germany. I'm alone in here. 
but someone could have seen me through the window. I put my hand up and said that anyway, you can too. Last chance. And so I'm talking to the guy who's reading the book. Last chance, low risk here. This is just an experiment. Go ahead. If you are not willing to risk such a simple new action as raising your own hand and saying a few unusual words like, I'm willing to take new actions, how can I expect you to responsibly decode an irresponsibly encoded message from your partner late some night when it was really difficult and it really matters? So this is, we're negotiating here. Thank you. I assume that you did the experiment. I first did such an experiment some 25 years ago, sitting alone in a double wide trailer near a cotton field in Phoenix, Arizona. And I still remember that experience. I was working as a flagger in the cotton fields. I would stand in the field with a white flag and this guy flying this helicopter spraying calcium, uh, potassium chlorate over on the cotton to make the leaves fall off. He would spray, he would fly right where I was holding the flag. I get covered with potassium chlorate. And then he'd turn around and he'd, I would stand where the row was. So he knew where the row was. So one time, one time he was gone to fill up the tanks with more potassium chlorate. And it was this hot, warm afternoon. And I was right across the street was this watermelon field. So I walked across the street and I stole a watermelon. And I ate, you know, I dug big handfuls with my hand out of the watermelon. And then I kind of fell asleep. So I didn't hear the helicopter coming. So the next thing I know is this helicopter, <laughs> this spray all over the place. And, and then I woke up. So, all right. So I still remember this experience. It shocked me that it was so difficult for me to make this simple new action of putting my hand up and saying that thing. It surprised me to hear my own voice in an empty room. It woke me up to the just proved and now undeniable fact that I do have enough courage to actually take new actions. The unusual action created a waking moment for me that I still remember. Your life can be filled with waking moments if you start taking more new actions. Anything from anybody right now? Just finish the first section. I want to share, Clinton, that what I'm feeling is that, hmm, when do you say, uh, if you are controlled in yourself, when I raise heart, uh, your right hand and so, hmm, I feel it like a pressure on myself that uh, to follow some orders from outside, not to follow myself. If I would like to do this experiment, I would need to hmm, connect to myself and decide what is my new action, my truly new action, and then find the courage to do this. F for me to hmm, do this this way is just following the group or following some outside influence, this different. Will you do it, Andra? Uh, what, what do you mean by your question? I don't understand. Well, in this team here, we, hmm. we discover experiments. And experiments are, we've been doing experiments for 
37 weeks or 40 weeks or whatever it is between each session where there's these experiments. And so one of the experiments this time is to each day put up your hand somewhere and say, I'm, I'm willing to take new actions and then right then take a new action that you've never took before. So that's the experiment. So I understand that maybe you never thought of that before. You know, I have, I've talked to a lot of people and I got ideas from other people where I never would have thought of this thing that they told me. And then I, I stole the idea. I, I took it. So I did not create the idea, but I took it and I used it and it made a, a positive difference in my life. And so, and so it's possible though to refuse to do anything that you did not think up yourself. And so if you do that, then you're basically stuck doing the same things over and over again that you always did before. And so this is a team, we work in a team. If we could figure this stuff out by ourselves, we would not have to have a team. And so the, the value of the team, one of the values is different people come up with different ideas and you go, yes, this is, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna steal your idea and I do it. So this is not a, a cult. It is not some military office where somebody says, yes, sir. And everybody else goes, yes, sir. You know, like that. That's not what's happening here. So, so the difference is that different people can take, make the decision to steal the idea, make it their own and try it as an experiment. That's what's happening here. So my question was, will you do it? Mm. For me, right now, I feel confused and mm, I'm not willing to, uh, how, how to say it in English, to commit to this action if I don't, uh, when I'm not connected to myself. But uh, I really like the idea to try something new. And I see what you meant, just it is not good to... Mm, refuse what others are saying for what is going from outside so hmm. thank uh, you there's a there's a spark a new one of the new sparks i don't know if Anne chloe if you can throw it up there <clears throat> but it's a spark about that uh confusion is the experience of lying to yourself about being angry and you just said you were feeling confused and so you might you might be interested to research that spark, which is a, and to check out or investigate uh, if you're saying that you're confused, what's really going on in terms of anger. It's a really useful hint. Hmm. What I notice right now that I feel a lot of fear because my new action was to speak up what I feel in this group because usually I don't speak up and to go against uh, what everyone else is doing and to, to be different. So this is my own experience. And what I, exp what I feel right now the most is fear. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Thank you for speaking. Anything from anybody else? Naomi, go. Yes, 
I, I would like to say that I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that with this thing of sticking your hand up and doing something random, new, it's so attractive for me at least to think, yeah, no, but I mean, those actions don't make sense. And then I'm going to look weird and I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to risk myself for doing something that doesn't make sense. I'll just keep it for something that does make sense. And then to feel really happy about myself that I'll do a new action when it's necessary. And I feel so attracted to like leaving it to that. And I really think it's because it just gives me a tremendous amount of fear to tell the cashier to take money out of my pocket. I really think that I'm going to die if I do that. And Naomi, yeah. it's a good thing you're going to clown school in Yucatan because this is what you learn in clown school, I think, is, mm -hmm. is like doing things that do not make sense. Yeah. You know, if it made dollars, that would be different. But if it just makes sense. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. God, what you... The virus is really fast in your house. It worked really bad, really fast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. <laughs> oh man, now, that, that doesn't help at all. We're trying to be serious here. So thank you, Naomi. I mean, that's the point. That is the point. I mean, for whom are we making sense? For which external authority are we trying to please with sensibility? That would be that would be a great beep book exercise. Grab your beep book, you know, and write list. You know, who am I trying to make sense for? You know, write it down and just check it out. And these this is a possible doorway to huge emotional healing processes with new decisions and uh, new resources inside of you and outside of you. You know, because if we're trying to make sense for some external authority, if we're trying to make sense even for a system or a, a society or something, we're trying to make sense, then we've, in a way, it's an adaptive behavior where we give our authority away. And to, to do what we we're headed into doing in this research together, we need that authority back. We need that back. And so that's, that's the reason for these little fooling around experiments where it doesn't really matter because what we're going to is fooling around experiments where it really does matter. That's where we're headed. And so it's, it's much easier to make no sense with in minuscule uh, new gestures and new little behaviors because when it when the big time hits you know the big the big stress the big opportunity and this is just going to push us back into the habitual behaviors again unless it is a habitual behavior to not make sense to not have to make sense you know to not such that making sense is not the highest priority for us and that's a it's really, a, if, you, if you stack making sense over on the side, you know, it can be useful sometimes, 
to make sense when you're giving clear instructions for somebody, they have to understand your instructions, they have to make sense. But maybe it's not so often as we think that we need to make sense. And in that case, then we keep the sense detector over on the side and we only turn it on when we need it. And the rest of the time, we don't have to make sense. There's a freedom of movement that comes from not restricting ourselves to having make sense. And we're going, we will need that freedom of movement. We need that, we will need that. Uh, Clinton, there are people listening to this that are not here. And there are people that have been listening to this from the beginning. I know one person that's heard every single episode, all of these, um, and has never showed up. I'd like us to not make sense and greet them and maybe give them, maybe individually some of you say something to them. Like, I love you, Betty. And Bob, you're amazing. And if anybody has anything that they want to be listening that has never jumped on, I think I'd love to hear that. Betty and Bob, you are some of our secret heroes. We just never told you. And Betty and Bob, we hope you are having lots of sex and kissing behind when the video is off. So you guys are, we have no idea what you're doing, but we make up amazing stories about avocados and things like that, that you guys are, wild out there doing stuff. So Betty and Bob, yay. <laughs> Thank you for letting me into your house, Yorgos. Welcome, Yorgos. Stephanie in Sweden, I don't know if you've been listening to each and every episode, but I know that you've been a regular listener and I feel you in this space. Brianne. Brianne, we just, I think you're a really good cook. And someday I hope you show us some of the stuff you're eating when we're talking on the screen here. But that'd be wonderful to see your cooking stuff. I'd like to give a shout out. I'm in Florida. I'd like to give a shout out to Florida Man. I don't know how you found your way to this podcast. And it must be so confusing for you. But I'm glad you're here. And I love you. Yay, Florida man. Luis, Luis Trinidad, come to Costa Rica. I dare you. And, and Brazil. <laughs> I have some snowballs from Canada for you, listeners. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you also come to the call if you can make it. I hope you go unreasonable and make it. Yeah, I, I welcome you to welcome yourselves into the call, into the next call, whichever the next call is, that you come in and you, you give yourself, you take authority to feel welcome and to welcome yourself into this group. Yes. Yes, definitely and your brothers and sisters, your parents, your ex-boyfriends, and, and the, the person who walks your dog, all those people, they can come too. For those of you that are listening that are improvisers, I just wanna say, bunny, 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 tukey, 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 tukey. <laughs> I know what that means. This is very good. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you. You would love Marina Dakin, man. She can do all those. This is great. <laughs> Greeting to Marina, even if you haven't been listening, we greet you. I would like to greet all the people that I live with here in my community. And I'm so happy that you made it to the call and that you're getting to get some of this crazy stuff that I'm getting. And uh, let's dance. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank you. I see we have a new tradition developed. So we welcome the invisible ones. Or there are no invisible ones, something like that. It's impossible to be invisible. <laughs> Back in the book, it says, like to learn. The fact that we do not know already about extraordinary human relationship is not bad. The fact that we do not already know means that the universe is vast and elegant, multidimensional and sophisticated. The fact that there is a lot that we do not know about is actually a blessing. That is, it is a blessing if you like to learn. If you think that you do not like to learn, it may be worth investigating why you think that. The way to investigate why you do not like to learn begins with trusting the internal sensation that you do not like learning. There's an experience in your body. This whole idea, do I like to learn? You get this experience in your body going, ah, you know, some kind of experience. You trust that experience. Once you decide to, to, to trust that sensation, take a deep breath, let it out, relax, and allow yourself to drift back along that sensation to, to recall the feeling's place of origin, where that came from. You trust the sensation, follow it back. You may recall one or more events, self-reinforcing moments in which you came to the conclusion that you did not like to learn. You follow the sensation back and where you made this story, I do not like to learn. And, and you, can, you can find the moment. This is valuable stuff. This I can't learn or I hate to learn story, build on and reinforce each other. For example, there may have been a promotion available for you at work, but being promoted depended on you learning how to operate a new computer software program. You may have tried a few times and gotten frustrated. Then every time you thought of the promotion, you remembered how much you hate to learn new computer programs. So you did not do anything to get the promotion. You developed an automatic story that replays in your thoughts about not being able to learn and then that story looks for ongoing evidence to keep itself alive. 
The story looks for evidence to keep itself alive. This is a magical thing. The story itself, the stories you have, look around, they need food. Your stories need food. Your stories look around for little evidence to confirm their validity, to validate themselves. You can watch this happening. You can watch your little zoo of stories look around and go, yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes me real. Okay, yeah, this is right. This is, I have the right story here. And they look around for a little piece of evidence to feed on. Your stories look around and take evidence and feed for confirmation for themselves. And then they get full and satisfied and strong. And your stories are eating your life this way. So the thing I just said is only one example of the story looking for evidence to feed itself, to keep itself alive. That's only one example. You probably have several other examples from earlier in your life or other things. Just bring back the memory of one of those earlier I can't learn incidents or I hate to learn incidents and let the feelings get bigger. Watch any pictures that come up. Recall the exact moments in which you made the decision that you do not like to learn and say out loud the exact words of your decision about not liking to learn. When you have said the sentence, take another deep breath and write down your old decision. You have to write down the old decision. As babies and children, we were subject to various forms of abuse, neglect, and betrayal, etc., by those people who were theoretically being responsible for taking care of us and educating us. Even small or momentary abuses can be the cause of lifelong high impact decisions and stories. You get that? Even one small or momentary abuse is strong enough to cause a lifelong high impact story. Like, I don't wanna learn, I don't like to learn, I'm not a good learner, I hate learning, for example, in this case. But <clears throat> the people who created the circumstances in which the abuses occurred were probably not aware they were being abusive and causing scars. They probably had no idea what we felt, what you felt and what kinds of life-shaping decisions you were making in those moments. Perhaps you did not even know it yourself. I mean, one of the big things for me was when I was like a year old, I was in the crib when my mother was going to give birth to my first brother. He was very near to me. I, I, I was three months old and she got pregnant again. And so, so I was like a year old and they went to the hospital and they left me in a crib with some lady. I think it maybe it was even my grandmother. But I had never for a year been, le been left alone to cry in the crib. And this lady left me alone to cry in the crib. My diaper was wet or I was hungry or I don't know what was going on, but I cried and nobody came. And I cried again and nobody came. And in, in a sh very short time, I made five or six huge life-shaping decisions. You know, I decided as a baby, before I could even talk, I'm laying in this crib going, I'm gonna die. And if I want to live, 
I cannot trust other people. I cannot depend on somebody else to take care of me. And so I decided to be a, you know, to be a survivalist, like to basically to learn how to survive. That totally impacted my whole life, really. It was, a, and I also decided I needed to be strong. And I also decided to communication doesn't work. You know, I could, it doesn't help me to try to say what I need to say because nobody's listening anyway. So it's these kinds of things. It's like in a very short time, in a, in a certain incident, you can make huge life-determining stories that shape the rest of your life. Now, the thing about stories is they're stories. You know, they're, they, you can make up any story you want about any situation you're in. And so there's a payoff for making a certain kind of a story. But the thing is, the people around you who created the circumstances in which you made some story, they didn't know you were making up the story. Maybe you did not even know you were making up the story. The people who were taking care of you in those moments probably thought that they were creating the best possible circumstances for your survival. For sure, they were doing the best they could do, given their own life experiences and their own upbringing, their own stories. For sure, they were doing the best that they could in their own story worlds. You, have made, you may have made a rational and expedient decision to avoid learning at some point. But before you made the decision, you loved to learn. In fact, you probably decided to be born for the sole purpose of learning. Just consider it. Perhaps you decided to be born for the sole purpose of coming here to learn. Even if you think that you are what in esoteric circles is referred to as a walk-on, which is someone who is an old soul or someone who has already been around many times, who's already been enlightened and who has come back for the altruistic purpose of serving other people less fortunate than themselves, you still came here to learn how to serve better. There are no walk-ons. It's all about learning. It's really about learning. So that's why this learning spiral is so important. You know, around and around and around we go. This is how it goes. Esoteric labels have the power to block you from being vulnerable, the same as everyone else. The idea that you are here to teach. There's some people who come in and go, yeah, I'm here to teach. Rather than to learn, may simply turn out to be a clever ruse or strategy created by your box to avoid the inevitable discomforts that occur during learning. Look, just, just as an aside, you know, this, the learning thing is, can never be made uncomfortable because if you're going to learn something real, then real things change. And real things changing means liquid states. And liquid states means uncomfortable. So that's why I'm saying learning is uncomfortable. And so if you have this clever idea, yes, I came here to teach. It could be just a way to try to avoid the, the discomforts that come from learning. Without irrevocably acknowledging that you do not already know what is next for you to learn, 
learning stops. Like if you, you get that, it's just a strategy to block learning. If you think that you already know what's next for you to learn, we don't know what the next thing is for us to learn. I don't know what the next thing is for me to learn. I don't even know what the next thing is for you to learn. And you don't know, what the, I mean, this is an, that, that's what I said at the beginning. It's like, this, that makes this universe amazing. That makes this a, a precious, it, it's a respect for the complexity diversity, the multidimensionality of the universe. There's this thing I figured out just recently, which is that the universe has, I, could, I, was, I was trying to figure out where possibility comes from. You know, so how can there, the resource of possibility is, is unlimited, but how can there be an unlimited possibility in a universe? And so, the court, we figured out before that the universe is like the main purpose of the universe is evolution, right? So if the universe is designed so that evolution is ongoing, it has to also have it designed in that there's possibility for the evolution to, to happen. So evolution is unexpected change. It's unpredicted change. Evolution is pops out of nowhere, but you need space to do that. So the universe has that kind of complex space built into it for new possibility to show up at any moment. And it's designed that way. So I was really excited to discover that, that evolution means possibility. Evolution implies unlimited possibility. So this, so we're right. That's what it means. So, Clinton? Yes. Can you say that again more slowly, please? I, I really want it to land in me. And... God, you know what? I was saying that slowly. I, I don't know. My archetypal lineage is freaking out, going, how come you're speaking so slowly? God, you're probably making these people fall asleep. And I'm going, no, no, <laughs> slowly. Really, this stuff, I have to say it slowly. We're... Thank you. We're in this universe. In the universe, what is the purpose of the universe? If you look around, you see that stuff evolves. Stuff is always evolving. And so the purpose of the universe is this evolution or the evolution of consciousness. Okay, that's, that's pretty clear. You've seen different life forms evolve. All these things evolve. Okay. But, but we're dealing with a thing called possibility. Possibility management, we want to know about possibility. What is possibility? How do you manage possibility? Like in most of us, most people are guarded against possibility. I know that you know this. You try to talk to people about new thoughtware, for example, and they're just blocked. They go, what? You know, if there's this huge blocks against new possibilities. So, but we know as a possibility manager, we know that possibility is possible. Okay, but now what we have is confirmation that possibility is possible. How do we know this? Because the universe is dedicated to evolution. Now, if something's going to evolve, evolution means new, new, Appearance. It means the pure unexpected 
Evolution means unexpected change, unexpected, unpredictable change. This is evolution. Okay, so where does the evolution come into? It needs space. Where does the, there's a, there needs to be a possibility of evolution for the evolution to evolve into. And so what we're saying is the universe secretly has designed itself to be rich in possibility so that evolution can evolve into new space. Evolution can evolve ongoingly. So this is what we tap into as a possibility manager. We tap into this unlimited resource of possibility of possibility in the universe because it's designed into the universe. So most people don't know this, but we're practicing with this in our personal lives. Some of us are professionals. Some of you are professional coaches or possibilitators already. Your job is to create, clearly create possibility for your clients. That's the value you provide. Your secret is that you know that the universe has unlimited possibility built into its structure. It's built in. You, you have figured this out. It's built in. Every cubic centimeter of, of space has possibility in it. Every cubic centimeter of space has possibility in it. So much possibility that you can walk through the world with kind of nothing and, and create whatever is wanted and needed out of the nothing because it's possible because you know, and I'm not saying walking on water or walking off buildings and stuff like that. I'm saying you can create resources out of the possibility that you tap into because it's designed into the universe and it's designed into the universe because the universe evolves. I don't know if that was slower, but it was longer. <laughs> Thank you. It worked, yeah. yes. Thank you. But isn't that cool? I mean, isn't it cool? I mean, yes. it's a very cool. I was, I was very excited about that. So, yeah, you know, so look at, you guys have to get it while we're here. Possibility is currency. Possibility is real value. I mean, possibility is, this is all from the next book, but anyway, possibility is the measurable number of real options that somebody has to choose from. You can measure possibility, it's a measurable. How many real options do you have to choose from right now in this situation, how many? One, two, three, you know, well. So if you, know, if you have one option to choose from, you don't have very much possibility. You get that? You have 50 options to choose from, you have quite a bit of possibility. So this is not only true for individuals, it's also true for relationship, for couples, it's also true for projects, it's also true for organizations, it's also true for game worlds. All this stuff applies to all that. So your clients, the people who you can create possibility for are individuals, couples, projects, game worlds, companies like that, nations, game worlds. So, so how much possibility do they have? Well, it depends how many options they have to choose from. So you can measure it right away. You can just walk in and say, what are you trying to create? And they tell you what they're trying to create. And then you say, well, what's in the way of better results? And then they just tell you all the blocks they have against possibility. 
And then you go, all right, when would you like to start? You know, when would you like to have more possibility about these things? And they go, now, okay, you just sign here and it's and you start working, start creating possibility. And just the other thing about that is these days it is possible to have too many possibilities to choose from, too many options to choose from. So part of your job is to be a possibility killer. You have to actually walk in and take out possibilities, you know, put them in the put them in the cooler, put them in the freezer for later, you know, save them for later, give them to someone else, uh, send them back to where they came from like that. So what um, in terms of managing possibility, sometimes when there's not enough, you have to create more and when there's too many, you have to create less. This is all about what possibility is, but to know that the designed into the energetic structure of the universe is almost you know, unlimited space for new possibilities. This is, and it's just, it has to be designed in there for because the universe evolves. This is the certainty upon which you can do your job. So just because you cannot think of a new possibility doesn't mean the person right next to you, you know, those two guys, they could, they could think of it, or all you guys could come up with it, or, or like there's so many uh, gangways, you know, entryways, so many doorways into new possibility. Speaking of which, I just did an interview with Martina Nicholas, who's uh, in the trainer path. So she has a, a, a platform where she's interviewing various people. And so I did it, it turned out to be about doorways, how to use doorways, how to recognize doorways, what doorways are, and like that. So, all right, look, you guys, I have a box. My box would love to read the next two paragraphs. So we finish this section. And then, so I'm going to do it. Here we go. This is the neurotic part of my box. So I just want to say the last sentence without, if you do not irrevocably acknowledge, if you don't admit that you don't already know what's next for you to learn about, then learning stops. If you think you already know that you've learned stuff, learning stops. You just did. So it's, it's a horrible thing. You have to go against culture. You have to go against the, uh, the everybody everybody knows everything. So you have to go against that and go around and going, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to learn next. This is an unpopular or unfamiliar place to come from. So if you don't come from that, learning stops. So the way for learning to keep going is you go, I don't know what I'm going to learn next, but I'm going to learn something next. Here's one of these sentences from possibility management. Your mind is yours to play with and to make into whatever you want. Your mind is yours to play with and make into whatever you want. I, I don't know if you remember this, Phyllis, but when we made this movie back in 1975, that was part of the, it was one of the signs that I painted in the window of the bookstore where, where we took Roger into the bookstore. I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but I painted it onto a sign that said, your mind is yours to play with and make it into whatever you want. This was part of one of the original 
sayings of possibility management and Phyllis was there. She was <laughs> All right, you made up your mind once about learning. Using the same procedure, you can make up your mind a different way about the same thing because your mind is yours to play with and make into whatever you want. You can do that without getting permission from anyone, without warning. You can do it without warning. You can change your old decision about learning or about anything. And in this moment, make a new decision because it's your mind, because you can make, you can change your mind about whatever you want. Your mind is yours to play with and make into whatever you want, no matter what you decided before about you and anything, in this case, learning, regardless of what happened in the past, you could make a new decision now. Are you ready for your next experiment? Here it is, Jesus. Put up your hand again and say out loud, I am changing my mind. I have decided that I like to learn. You ready? Put up your hand. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my, changing my mind. I decided I'm, that I like to learn. Like to learn. I'm changing my mind. I decided that I like to learn. I decide I will like to learn. Yeah. Change my mind. I decided I love to learn. I love learning. And I've decided that I love to learn. I don't know what that was, but it's fantastic. It sounded yeah. like alien invasion or something, but <laughs> I think I think this vibe is going out. So now grab a scrap of paper and write down the exact words of your new decision. Whatever, whatever your new decision is. And that's the end of the section. Ingrid, you have to say something. I love learning. <laughs> okay. Do you know Anne, Annie? Because she she loves learning too. <clears throat> okay. All right. In terms of the book, I would like to stop there now because we're entering another section called entering the liquid state. If you're going to enter the liquid state, you should plan to go all the way through it. So I would not start that now without planning to go all the way through it. So any sharing or anything from anybody else, any, anything about whatever? I'd like to share what was kind of unbelievable client experience. The client from Australia contacted me and said, I'm having trouble with touch and can you help me figure out why I can't touch people? And he's in Australia and I'm in the United States. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't touch you. Um, figured out. So I asked him a little bit about himself. But he told me he can play the piano. I said, well, hold on. So tell me about your piano experience. Do you just play sheet music? Or can you actually play like what comes out of you? And he goes, oh, 
no, I like to sit there and I just start playing things and I'm like, you have no problem with touch. Touch is not the issue, you touch. And they go, and I bet you that when you press a key and you press another one, you listen. You're able to listen too. And you know what works and you also know what doesn't work. And you're constantly, and when like figuring it out and when something doesn't work, you stop, don't you? He's like, yes. They go, and you play something else. And he's like, of course, like that seemed obvious. I'm like, that's all you do with the human body. And then went to discovering, so we went deeper, that what his fear is, is the nothingness of being with another human. Because there's all these rules and how you're supposed to touch and what's supposed to happen and how you're supposed to act. And he can't keep it all straight. I'm like, what if you just approached another human as you approach the piano and just like were nothing and listened and noticed what worked and what didn't work and drop all the stuff, like all these like expectations and these rules. And I think that's his issue. His issue isn't with touch. Cause so that it was just really amazing giving him that possibility that he actually is, is probably an expert toucher, but it has to do more with all this other stuff that he carries with him constantly. And then the anxiety that comes, there's, there's a lot of anxiety. So it was uh, really beautiful to take what I've learned here and share that with him that way. Thank you. Your story, Janet, reminds me of this coaching film that I was involved in, whereas we had 30 different coaches for four or five clients, and each of the clients had coaching from all of the, from, from many of the different coaches. And so then as the movie became made, I got to see the different varieties of quote unquote coaching that were out there and how different possibility management is from ordinary coaching sessions. So I don't know what kind of work you're doing with people, but the, the concept of being a you know, piano playing while you're touching another human being and sensing for what works and sensing for what doesn't fit together and the timing of things and the pressure on the keys, you know, the, the melody and the, the whole thing is, is such a great idea. And how do you get from point A to point B, box A to box B, what's in between is this liquid state and that's what we'll be going in. And it's like, it's like if you can't, if you don't pull the rug out un, from underneath the original structure and go into this liquid state where there are emotions and feelings and you all that, you won't ever really get to the something new behavior, which is what we were talking about. You were gonna say something, Janet? We introduced the voice blaster. And so we, <laughs> we practice because that's really it. It's all this like, you're doing it wrong. You're going to mess up. You're going to hurt someone. And, and so we started voice blasting and he gave me a report a few days ago saying, I've been practicing it. And at first I was really embarrassed and now it's kind of fun. And so now he's in the fun playing with it on his own. So we'll see what next time I talk to him. Great. Yeah, thank you. One step at a time. Voice blaster is crucial. Thank you. Would anyone need to say anything before we get back to the experimental platform of our lives? The whole learning concept is, I think goes beyond loving to learn because if I think of myself, well, I love to learn. And when I, if I really think about it and 
is, is that there are some things I don't love to learn. And so, so maybe it's more about being open to learning some of those things and seeing if I love and seeing what I love about it. Yeah, thank you. And to add to what you just said, Phyllis, it's also how you want to receive. It's how you want to receive. And so uh, JFK, when he was president, he had memo, like he had, everything was written for him so that he could learn what needed to happen. And when, when Lyndon B. Johnson took over, he was inundated with all this stuff he had to read and he couldn't handle it because that's not how he wanted to receive the information. So I'm like, LBJ. I want to receive my learning in audio. I want to receive it kinesthetically. That 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 it gets into me more. Yes. And knowing knowing how you want to receive, I think is also this. This is a beautiful way to receive for me. Yes. Thank you, Shannon. That's that's absolutely accurate for me. And I'm much more of a hands-on learner or a visual learner. Yeah, and for me, one of the worst things to learn is you know, that I'm making a mistake or doing something wrong or people don't like it or like that. It's like, <laughs> I definitely do not want to learn this. Don't tell me those things. Yeah. Okay. We are wrapping up this space. Thank you very much for being here with everybody and participating and being alive here together. Thank you for being in aliveness together. And have a great week and full of hands up experiments. And <laughs> see you later. See you next time. Bye bye. And if you. Thank you. Having emotional healing processes, get a hold of those people and, and we'll put you on videotape and you can become world famous through your liquid state. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, thank you. Pontus, Patricio, Maria, I miss seeing your faces in this space.